Hello, welcome to episode number 11 of the FlynnMcLaughlin.com podcast. My name is Flynn McLaughlin, and uh, this is my podcast. Um, so this episode is going to be a little bit similar, maybe sound similar and thematically be similar to episode number seven, the Hollycast that you may or may not have listened to. Um, but in theory, I'm going to be covering more of like the technical side of it rather than the film industry as an entity. Um, so mm-hmm. it's going to be a little different. Uh, let's see. So this episode, episode number 11, is going to be probably the movie cast, the film cast. I don't, we don't know a name yet. But I'm joined here by my longtime friend. Well, not here. He's he's across the country, literally. Um, I'm joined across the country, literally, by my friend, uh, Rich Farrell. Here he is. Yep. Hello. Hello, everybody. Yeah, he, uh, he and I have a history in internet broadcasting, and he has uh, just recently joined the ranks of... Uh, us podcasters so shout out to rich it's true yeah i mean not entirely (laughs) sure when our official launch is gonna happen or not but uh i guess maybe i can do you want me to go into the uh i don't know what that project is we'll get there we'll get there yeah i mean we're gonna okay like i said my my notes on here are not very long so i'm just gonna talk about this for a little bit and then it's basically all you baby i'm just gonna be doing some brief kind of interview sort of stuff for you so um, Sweet. yeah should go pretty smooth so <clears throat> you all know what this show is already you know what i do i i go through with the history of a topic and very briefly just try and cover it and then i will uh, hand the reins over to my friend rich here who actually knows one or two things about film uh i mean you can you can go ahead and list your credentials if you'd like rich you can uh uh yeah sure um i'm a uh phd student at university of california santa barbara in their department of film and media studies um i got i actually have uh uh three degrees Mm -hmm. in film and media studies which is kind of uh (laughs) conventional i guess i have an associate's degree from uh the yeah represent a yeah. Is that what we are now? We're used it to be the, the Patriots, pioneers, right? Oh, oh yeah. Which didn't make much sense, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they changed that for like political reasons. I don't know. It seems like it's it, Riverhawks is a weird choice, to be honest with you. But yeah. Right. Yeah. I got into George Washington University uh, for grad school, and when I went and visited, they were uh, there was a push to change the mascot which is the colonials oh. right now. Hmm. So I don't know. I know there's been like a surge to kind of like, or at least across a number of uh, universities mm-hmm. and colleges to kind of abandon any type of like fetishizing. American uh, history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. 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 American figures. Especially the uh, back then. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of can be taken yeah. in a weird way. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Um, but I also, yeah. So I got a, um, a bachelor of arts from the uh from saint mary's college in maryland which is where flynn and and i went to uh Mm -hmm. school and did hawk radio with each other and then uh exactly (laughs) yeah and uh (laughs) and then my most recent degree was um a master of arts from university of south (laughs) florida so yeah, it's been it's uh, been a wild ride. Yeah, lots of lots of school, mm-hmm. and I have a, another four or five years to go before I can officially, hopefully, not be in school mm-hmm. anymore. Well, by the standards of this podcast, that makes you one of the most renowned experts in your field that we have ever had. So yeah, shout out nice. to that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, next to you is probably Elizabeth, who is also in a PhD program for for biochemistry or just chemistry. So. We had her do the genetic cast. She's actually doing important work while I... <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. It's all work. Work's work. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, all right. Well, it's enough about Rich for right now. We'll get back to him. Don't worry. <clears throat> um, and I definitely plan to let you get into your, your field a little bit and talk about it. But first, let's get into my field, which is uh, I was a bad history student. So I'm going to go ahead and give you some bad history real quick. <clears throat> um Obviously, I'll be checking in with you, Rich, if there's anything particularly pertinent that you think I'm missing. But totally, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who who knows? Yeah, I don't. I, I like I said, there's not really a whole lot here for me to get wrong. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> um, 
Also, I want to note for my, my longtime listeners, my primary source for this was not Wikipedia this time. So, shout out to that. I will post my sources and some pictures on the website, so feel free to check that out. But yeah, until then, here we go. Um, so, there's a few places that I could start this one, like with most of the topics that I do, to be honest with you. Uh, but for simplicity's sake, I'm just going to start with two, and finish with two, because I didn't get any further. Uh, so first, there is Edison's Kinetoscope, which was created in 1891. And then there's the Lumiere brothers from France, as you can kind of tell. And their 19, 1895 uh, cinema that they opened up in Paris, um, with the cinema, cinema type cinematograph, I believe. Um, there we go, that's the word, yeah. I don't speak French, you know, there's an accent in there that threw yeah. me off, so. <laughs> um, so first, the kinetoscope. Uh, this is one of Edison's many products, um, and note that I'm going to say products, they're not inventions, because we'll get there. Uh, I have a feeling that the longer that I do this show, the more I'm going to be talking about Thomas Edison. I think it's just going to come up a lot, because he seems to have his sticky little fingers in every single invention created in yeah, America. He's kind of an evil guy, um, too. <laughs> And, but it's just his name that's attached to it. See, the kinetoscope was actually invented by a British employee of Edison uh, by the name of William Kennedy Laurie Dixon um, back in 1891. But he unfortunately didn't really get the credit for it because Edison, you know, that's just what he does. Um, but this device was meant to... Well, basically the way you use this device is it's like a box. It's just like a kind of like a coffin-looking cabinet kind of thing. Um, and it has like a peephole on the top. And you kind of just look down into the people, and there's reels moving a long film throughout the device that will kind of just move quickly. And as it's moving, you kind of get the idea, you, you know, you know how movies work. It's kind of the same idea. Um, it's a very, very short film. It's like a couple seconds long, and it's basically just a dude walking, pretty much. Um, but there's a few different options. He had like four or five different ones when he first came out with it, but... Um, yeah, it was just a 20-second continuous loop, basically. So it was like a vine, you know, just watching a vine. Um, and in 1894, a few parlors opened up, first in New York and then in London, uh, that were dedicated to displaying these films. Um, but unfortunately for Edison, these these films uh, inspired <laughs> uh, the Lumiere family, uh, the Lumiere brothers and their father, who in 1895 uh, created the cinematograph, 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 yeah. whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and they they created that, and then they created their their cinemas, uh, which were a better version of this in pretty much every single way, um, which we'll get into right now. Uh, so this invention that the Lumiere brothers created was called the Rich. Cinematograph. Cinematograph. There we go. And it functioned as a camera, a printer, and a projector simultaneously, um, which allowed this kind of concept of moving pictures to be more accessible as well as portable um, to just, you could just bring it wherever you kind of wanted to. Um, unlike Edison's device, it wasn't quite as large, um, and it didn't re rely upon electric power. So you could, you know, shoot a film out in the middle of a field if you wanted to. You could shoot a film in the street you didn't have to shoot a film inside because you didn't need electricity so definitely made it a lot easier to get more interesting films uh, but also just more of them um, let's see the Lumiere brothers would use this device to create a number of short films usually about 15 minutes long um, and they would eventually start showing these in their cinemas which I already talked about a little bit um, <clears throat> and these shows, they would play 20 shows a day, uh, 15 minutes each. The shows cost a single franc for each show. Uh, and this made them incredibly popular with people just kind of passing by on the street. And uh, people didn't really think much of it at first. But then when they walked in, they were just kind of like, holy shit. Whoa, like, what is going on? Like, there's people, like, walking on the wall. Like, what is happening? So, um, yeah, it definitely caught on, like, wildfire and just kind of spread across Europe. Uh, so yeah, that's all I got for those two, for the, the the big two. So cool. Don't really have a whole lot. I do have a fun fact here though. I want to throw in. <clears throat> this one's for all my Yinzers out there, um, and by that I mean me and my girlfriend, because we're the only Pittsburghers that I know. Uh, but the first successful permanent theater showing only films 
was the Nickelodeon, which was opened in Pittsburgh in 1905. That is from Wikipedia. Nice. But there you go. Fun little fact, the Nickelodeon is uh, the theater in Pittsburgh. Mm. So you have us to thank. So there you go. <laughs> um, but that's my part. And now, depending on how long you really want to go, you have you know, 30, 20 to 30 minutes to just kind of you know, talk. But I, I do want to kind of establish your background a little further. Um, so like I said before, um, we've known each other a while. Uh, and as long as I've known you, You've always been a big fan of movies, films, media in general, uh, which is why it wasn't really all that surprising to see when you went off to, you know, get your associates and get your bachelor's and all that. You, you chose to pursue film. It made mm-hmm. sense. Um, <clears throat> but what would you say, like, really sparked this interest in you? Like, was this something you've always been interested in? I mean, you've always liked movies. I knew that. But Yeah, true. Uh-huh. Uh, um, so I went to out of high school. Broadneck, which we also went to the same high school. Shout yeah. out the, the Bruins. Bruins. Um, Shout out to all my Bruins. Exactly. Um, I went to University of Maryland, Baltimore County for the first uh, semester of my undergrad and um, was intending on studying. I think in my application, I was intending on studying chemistry and yeah, I think you yeah. were. I believe you and were. And I changed my degree to geography when I got there official, officially because... I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> because Emma, my sister Emma, um, did a, gre- a degree in geography, and she said that it was really easy, and so that was kind <laughs> of the... Uh, yeah. Because I remember when you when you went to college, it was more of a, like, I'm going to college because I got to go to college. Yeah, yeah. I think I was... <clears throat> and I think that's why it's more surprising to see you have continued it so far. I mean, you're, you're in a PhD program. I mean, that's... Yeah, exactly. I never would have seen that coming from you back then, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely been a, um, a, a change in mentality and, uh, I guess, just life, uh, you know, ambition mm-hmm. in, in terms of, yeah, what... Uh, how education functions in my in my own life um but yeah um so yeah emma said that geography was easy and i was like yeah my mom is expecting me to get a degree which i know is like (laughs) i don't know very privileged kind of white suburb but it's the life that a lot i mean we're from annapolis man that's just how it is the, the the white suburban mentality of uh you know feeling i guess alienated and not uh having some type of like greater purpose or whatever or maybe contributed to right. just like not really knowing what uh yeah higher education actually how higher education <laughs> could be i don't know a stepping stone to something that is uh i don't know something useful or meaningful and worthwhile yeah, yeah. exactly so um and i also uh, human geography ap hug at uh, Broadneck was like my favorite course um, just mm-hmm. because it incorporated so many different like kind of disciplinary approaches like there was a lot of stuff on like the environment and there was like some economics type stuff and some history stuff and so I think the um, yeah diversity of angles was what made me mm-hmm. think that maybe that would be a, uh, a good option for me starting uh college um but yeah i hate i ended up hating uc uh, or uh, <laughs> umbc because um right one i just don't think that i was ready uh, ready to leave home yet uh i was definitely mm-hmm. a, a very much a, a mama's boy um <laughs> and so i transferred back to uh home and started taking classes at Anne Arundel community college and i saw that they had a film studies track for an associate's degree and yeah at that time having been just kind of like confused not really knowing what i wanted to do uh yeah was you just knew you wanted to be in school. yeah i was like all right if i'm gonna be in school then maybe i'll just take classes on film because i like movies you know Um, right yeah and also my you know my my cousin had just started kind of gaining Mm -hmm. uh like establishing himself in the television industry writing wise so i think there was like kind of since there was a familial connection there was kind of a desire to do something 
creative and and production related and it just felt more attainable because you knew someone doing that stuff yeah yeah um and so yeah and i i like to say that anybody that ends up within a more kind of academic critical or uh theoretical um um position within like film and media or like art circles in general probably totally (laughs) wanted to do something uh production or creative uh related uh originally i guess that's kind of that is a good question for you i guess is what what exactly is the academic study of film really what are you like are you what are you are you analyzing movies are you like looking at one film per you know for your entire thesis like what is what's the whole um... yeah that's funny it's funny that you mentioned that because my uh one of my other cousins uh asked me like the same question over thanksgiving break uh mm-hmm. you know just kind of trying to gain an understanding for uh what i guess the contemporary impulses and work being done within film and media studies is or just like i don't know maybe like Mm -hmm. art criticism in general or media criticism in general is um and yeah i think there's the assumption that we are just doing like yeah like close readings of particular films or television shows or um right yeah you're just looking and analyzing each script or whatever and finding you know the the meaning behind it yeah which i think there are people that probably are still doing that kind of stuff um and that definitely has a certain uh lineage within the discipline itself um but if anything that's more of a literary analysis you know it's you know yeah yeah looking at it for its its merits as a story and the the way that i don't know that's it seems more of an english kind of thing yeah exactly well and that's also i mean that kind of goes to uh Another point is that film and media studies as, you know, establishing itself as a discipline has an interesting genealogy, if we're, if we're going to use that word, um, because it mm-hmm. comes out of uh, a, a number of different, like, humanities and cultural studies uh, um, uh, disciplines. Like, uh, some film and media studies programs were started out of philosophy departments, some were started out of English departments. Some were started out of um, mm-hmm. like rhetoric departments and um, and uh, like communication departments, which is often communication or mass mm-hmm. comm type stuff is more like quantitative uh, in terms of its methods right. and its analytical frameworks. But uh, so that's why, yeah. So that's why I think, um, yeah. There's there, there's just a, a number of approaches from a historical standpoint that have kind Mm -hmm. of birthed the uh, contemporary setting of what film and media studies is today. Um, But yeah, in terms of what people are doing today, um, at least within my department, which generally film and media studies departments kind of given, you know, there's only, you know, a select number of faculty members that are associated with the department or the program, uh, generally there are mm-hmm. some like um, subfields or uh, subdisciplines that are really strong within particular programs themselves and right. so um, at my school uh, we're really interested in uh, like media industry and kind of the mm-hmm. political economy side of um, film and media okay, studies. so like who gets to talk who's who's able to like who is it represented in these these media you know, things. yeah things. is that kind of what you're getting yeah at? and kind of an understanding of uh like the the structure of the industry itself um another mm-hmm. strong um kind of sub-discipline that at our school is uh environmental media criticism or echo criticism mm-hmm. which is kind of the uh more overarching term uh, and so looking at um like reading one reading like media texts whether it be film television or whatever as uh from an environmental lens but also kind Mm -hmm. of looking at um yeah like the climate and environmental politics of like media objects and media infrastructure and media industry and so to give an example um 
there's a really interesting uh, dissertation topic from one of our uh, PhD students later in the program who's doing like kind of like mm-hmm. a uh, a history of the lithium battery as like a okay. as like a media um, object to study. Uh, so like kind of huh. the politics of extraction to be able to uh, um, yeah get uh, yeah like analyzing. Um, you know, the problematic history of how certain uh, energy sources for, Mm -hmm. like, uh, media objects and and media technologies and stuff like that, um, like, how that has developed through time and how that's been, um, you know, affected, like, certain communities disproportionately Hmm. um, in terms of... That's actually really weird and interesting. I never even thought about getting wow that's (laughs) yeah and that's what i would say if i was to say like what contemporary maybe even kind of more broadly humanities and cultural studies departments and Mm -hmm. i think it a lot of it has to do with this general anxiety overall within the academy that you know what is being done is not necessarily practical for uh like quote-unquote like real world issues and stuff like that is mm-hmm. that um there's been definitely an impulse and, and push to have uh our projects engage more directly with um kind of uh yeah like contemporary political issues like climate change and uh right. yeah and so I think that's the case with a lot of stuff. I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's the case of history, too. If I were to be pursuing history right now, I'm sure a lot more of my stuff would be kind of that that, that focus, um, that more relevant kind of topics. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of seems like that's where most academic subjects are kind of going these days, because no one's been talking about that kind of stuff for so long that it's kind of, it's new territory. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, and um, it's... it's something that someone can really open up and spend a whole career looking at because no one really has before yeah exactly and you know since kind of foundational concepts have really been uh kind of brought into academia like i mean so uh, the term that's often thrown around is like interdisciplinarity uh Mm -hmm, um, yeah but it's often you know to a degree very much i don't know i I don't know actually if I would frame it this way, but it, it kind of relates to intersectionality in a way because it's it's trying mm-hmm. to take um, yeah different perspectives the the appeal of a certain viewpoint and and spread it or you know make it yeah I mean obviously you know. Kimberly Crenshaw is like uh, you know cr- uh, like usage of the term is definitely supposed to be related to. Uh, various subject subject positions and identities but like i think that it can be refracted within like a disciplinary context like thinking through interdisciplinarity Mm -hmm. and how you know our type of academic impulses are definitely trying to make connections between different uh maybe like conventionally understood as different disciplines or areas of study rather than like keep them like cleaved off from each other or separate from each other um right yeah. and so that's why like i said um in the contemporary academic setting yeah a lot of departments generally have a strong focus from like two or three interdisciplinary angles of some sort <clears throat> yeah gotcha mm-hmm. And would you, so this is kind of taking it back a little bit, but it's kind of related still. Um, <clears throat> would you say that your, your background with, like with St. Mary's and with, uh, with USF, would you say that that kind of impacted your choice to join up with this PhD program? Or like, would, were you looking for specific things from this PhD program? Like what you're talking about? Like, oh yeah, that's like the issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good, cause I know that St. Mary's, I, I, at least speaking from personal experience, most of the film majors that I knew from St. Mary's were film, wig sex, like double majors, or create your own major with some kind of film, philosophy, wig sex combination. And so I think you're spot on in saying that like certain certain film departments seem to have a focus on a certain other thing. Yeah, totally. Um, that, and since um, like the foundation of our program at St. Mary's was 
like Joanne Klein and uh, mm-hmm. and Mark Rota. I know uh, R.I.P. Joanne Klein, um, right. great, amazing uh, teacher and scholar. Um, I don't know whether Mark is still there or not, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so they got their background in, I believe, performance and theater studies at UC Berkeley, and so definitely in terms of approaching film and media studies as a discipline, it was very much from a performance studies approach. Um, True. Which because you guys had a lot of performance classes i mean i remember you having to take you had to be in the play every year yeah well i didn't have to be um you could be production i guess too. yeah we had one like uh requirement like uh like major fulfillment where we had to like help out on our production um mm-hmm. and that could be through performing but i guess i don't know yeah i just in i just enjoyed acting even though it's terrifying sure yeah. yeah yeah but it's fun it's exhilarating yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so I wouldn't say that, I mean, what, what, uh, St. Mary's did, which was great was, um, I think really grounded us in some of the more foundational, like film and media's discourse, film and media studies discourse of like the like seventies into the nineties, which is probably very much reflective of, uh, joanne and mark's uh own scholarly background because mm-hmm. that's when they were in school and so it makes sense that we would but you kind of knew you had like the touchstones like you knew you knew everything about you know the scholars that people would be referencing now pretty much is kind of um you had a good basis or or, or is it just someone thing totally different you were learning <laughs> yeah i don't know i to be honest like when i got to usf it was just a totally different framework um Really, yeah. they're doing something just totally new. Yeah, huh. yeah, and that's not a criticism. It's just no, it's just a different. It thing. It speaks yeah. to, um, again, like I was saying, kind of e- each department generally has its own Im- like um, scholarly impulse or focus to a degree. Right. Yeah. And so, and that's true of any any academic field too. I mean, yeah, you know, certain certain colleges are known for doing certain subjects. It's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, we learned um, at St. Mary's definitely learned about kind of like um, modernist aesthetics. And, you know, we read a lot of Brecht and stuff like that. And right, I was about to bring up Brecht because yeah. it's like the only guy I can really know from. Yeah. yeah. And so like that was an interesting yeah, foundation to establish first. But then once I got to um, once I got to USF, I started studying with um my two advisors were uh scott ferguson and amy rust um amy rust was my uh my master's thesis advisor and Hmm. they uh are more contemporary scholars who are actually like still writing stuff and uh true Mm -hmm. uh and so i also in addition to not really since they didn't really have a background in performance studies um they actually had backgrounds in in like specifically film and media studies programs uh they actually Mm -hmm. also both went to berkeley i think there's just like (laughs) if you go to certain schools you're like (laughs) almost guaranteed a tenor tenure track position uh, right that makes sense which kind of sucks because you know you can go and get a phd from maybe like a lesser known film and media studies program and then just be like totally screwed out of the job market just because of the uh, name of the university that you came from yeah right um (laughs) yeah it's it's really stupid and um but yeah it's weird that's such a thing like that in in film especially you'd think that that would be true of other academic subjects but something so seemingly new like the study of the academic study of film at least yeah it's weird that they'd have that kind of that weird friendly prejudice i don't know yeah well and it's it a lot of it is just symptomatic of the scarcity of uh higher higher education teaching positions in general in the united states um just because everything very much is in terms of funding being shifted towards other uh areas of study and so mm-hmm. um i don't know but hopefully maybe with like electing somebody like bernie sanders and getting uh you know college for all and more expansion of like uh colleges and universities as a necessary yeah. like I don't know, kind of public infrastructure. We can maybe 
create more nice. more professorships or whatever. I have no idea. Make the options, make the, all the options that are available actually all viable rather than yeah, yeah. have <laughs> five viable options and then ten that are just bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, That'd it's be sweet. It's crazy. Like they'll uh, <laughs> like you know a, a university will post a tenure track position for a um, like a a position um, within our field and those applications that they'll get like like almost like above like 200 applications for like one position and this is all from people that are very much qualified that have phd right yeah they're they're all phds yeah yeah. and so then it ultimately (laughs) comes down to yeah like i was saying kind of the who know who where you're from who who you know exactly yeah and yeah it's yeah that's a another part of it is (laughs) half the battle in this uh grad school thing is really like the social part of it you really have the to, connections you make yeah you yeah. really have to get close with your advisors and you have to go to conferences and and hook up with you know the the friends that they studied with and mm-hmm. and that's really how how you end up like you know getting an in and 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 establishing a career within the field um so yeah i'll I mean, tell you what as a man who's trying to get a job in the museum system it's the same deal out here, bud. Exactly. It's, it's no, the yeah. Same deal. <laughs> same shit. And that was going to be my next point is that it's just, yeah. it's everywhere. And yeah, it's, that's, that's why I always say a job's a job, man. If you're in grad school, you're still at work. Like, yeah, you're totally. still just doing normal job shit. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely not unique to our field or even our just like, yeah, car- just career track yeah. in general. Like, every, yeah. everybody is really struggling to, um, yeah get positions and what they're interested in doing um yeah where where were we in terms of i don't know we're getting we're getting close to the end um honestly oh, okay uh, <laughs> but no you're good I, I, this is great yeah um i guess i'll say that have, yeah, yeah um so at usf i think that's where i was was maybe contextualizing usf's difference in terms of approaches yeah mm-hmm. it's a st mary's and that yeah let's just finish it out with that so usf to to UCSB. Yeah, exactly. So I, um, at USF, I kind of got a more, a different, uh, like, curriculum approach to what film and media studies was, and Mm -hmm. that brought in, um, I think the, the main difference that I would point to is engaging with film theory for the first time, and so, um, you know, engaging with some of the more like continental philosophy and uh, mm. like critical theory and like the Frankfurt School for the first time and and like all right. these these huge figures that had shaped so much of the uh, the um, material with our within our field that I just didn't uh, I definitely didn't get when I was at um, St. Mary's. And so, you know, I started reading, like... Would you say you enjoyed that stuff? I mean, did you, like, did you like getting all that that stuff? Yeah, it was really exciting. Um, it definitely brought just a new understanding of the field entirely, to be honest. Mm-hmm. In a way, I... Would you say that that's kind of, like, when you decided to pursue this PhD? Was you realized that this really is something you can devote yourself to i mean yeah i mean definitely working with amy and scott was like they really just i don't know kind of i guess lit a a, like some type of spark inside of me where i was like Mm -hmm. wow this actually is really interesting and there's there's so many different questions that are still being thrown around i think and again this is not a criticism of saint mary's or anything like that um Mm -hmm. is that i came out of saint mary's at least from like a like the critical scholarly side like not really knowing what else was out there in terms of uh what people were talking about um, so in other words you kind of felt like you you read you read what they had to say and now and i felt you can say whatever you want to say but you don't really there's you know there's more being said <laughs> but you just can't find it yeah and also i just like i was like you know is this the only like maybe this is just the only way to look at like film and media type right stuff. like it's just a yeah and then but, you know uh, yeah i did like a i took a year off and worked some cop- coffee shops in baltimore and applied mm-hmm. to some master's programs and 
ended up getting into one and what did not really know exactly what grad school entailed at that time but i just kind of like <laughs> took a chance on it and yeah, yeah i don't know it was one of those like just you know random decisions that you make in your life that actually ended up being like really awesome and really fun and really exciting and uh and yeah i mean like for, like day one totally different frameworks <laughs> for thinking about like film and media um you know my uh so like scott uh, he writes a lot about um like political economy and mm-hmm. and uh particularly um thinking about uh money as like a medium in a way like you know okay. obviously media is the plural form of of medium and right. so uh like thinking about monetary uh monetary institutions as mediating in particular ways and so that was just hmm. like kind of blew my mind and in, in, in yeah a, that's in a pretty crazy yeah, <laughs> i mean yeah. honestly that's that's pretty mind-blowing i mean especially coming from a place like st mary's where they're from what you're saying kind of sounds like there is more of a rigid kind of especially if you're going to a more conservative like background like not conservative but like an older frame of, of reference it's it's going to be more rigid more just yeah this is the study of film here's the things we know about film yeah but with with what you're saying with this guy it sounds like it's a totally yeah and then um, you can do whatever you want and it just uh, related to film (laughs) you know like yeah not film but media in general yeah it it really just opened up like thinking abstractly about how uh yeah just media in general mediates and thinking about different processes of of mediation and uh and um yeah it was it was pretty wild and and then i took a um took a media ecology class with amy which is probably my favorite class i've ever taken which is kind of the the more environmental focus uh um Mm -hmm. thing and and this is where kind of there's a lot of recursive threads that are happening in this conversation but uh yeah definitely yeah (laughs) she had uh one of her um she had a chapter published in a book called sustainable media um, which was uh, published here at, uh, by uh, scholars at UC Santa Barbara. And oh, so, wow. yeah, and also she went and she did her, I believe, her PhD with um, some scholars here, or maybe it was just one, Alenda Chang. And so that's how I ultimately, um, she, uh, Amy ended up pushing me onto this. Um, so she told you about this program. and Exactly, yeah. because it was so strong in the environmental focus. Um hmm. And Scott actually did his undergrad here too. It was kind of funny. Yeah. True. Yeah. Wow. Our, so weird. Our <laughs> cha- yeah, our chair uh, Boschker uh, taught Scott when he was here, which is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's just so many different, um, yeah, interconnections and stuff like that. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's how I ended up here at UCSB. Um, nice. Yeah. Weird. Well. Um... I guess one one last question: Do you uh, do you see yourself? I mean, do you, do you want to be a professor in film? Do you want to be teaching this for? I mean, is this kind of like? Do you, do you want to keep pursuing this academically? I guess is my question. Or yeah, definitely. Um, I think, like I said, with the you know job scarcity thing, there's still like because mm-hmm. I know when you, I mean you said that when you went into film, you kind of went into it thinking more on the production side of things and the writing side or whatever. Yeah, I, I definitely. More, yeah, I don't really want to do any of the... <laughs> you kind of separate yourself from that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. It's the whole entertainment industry side of stuff. Is, it seems kind of evil, right. evil to me. Um, you can check that out on episode seven of the podcast, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's very it's very cutthroat and it kind of yeah creates it's these, a mess. It's a whole mess. Yeah, yeah, it creates these kind of imag- imaginaries and desires that I think ultimately end up. <clears throat> Uh, leading people to out to like LA and New York that kind of like really I don't know from like a just numbers standpoint really kind of destroys yeah. a lot of lives and yeah honestly it really does yeah. it really does I mean there's just it, it's a it's a cliche it's a trope it's whatever but it's it's true I mean people do go out to that city and just fucking lose themselves so yeah, one way or another it's you know yeah and so i think that 
I really enjoy engaging with, like, yeah, media education and thinking about mm-hmm. art and culture <clears throat> critically, but also um, if, you know, whatever avenues arise, also, like, advocating for um, more, like, egalitarian and, and democratic forms of mm-hmm. uh like cultural production and so um that's probably what i want to do going forward and so whether that is mm-hmm. through the 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 um kind of avenue of um you know being a professor that's awesome that would be really right. great and being able to do research that'd be totally awesome i mm-hmm. don't know whether it's going to be like a a tangible thing given <laughs> yeah. like i said about the scarcity of jobs but um even if that's not I mean, the maybe case you'll come back to st mary's you never know yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> uh, even if that's not the case um like i would love to you know maybe just teach in high school or something like that or um yeah you definitely. know obviously there there was a recent so i'm taing for a media criticism class right now which is mm-hmm. one of the uh uh, education like uh, lower level pre-major requirements uh, for the undergraduate right. major and um, one of the readings talks about like you know the lack of uh, like media literacy uh, like uh, classes and stuff like that within K through 12 curriculums mm-hmm. and so there's definitely sure. yeah. there's definitely avenues where um, you know where this type of stuff could be important and in, in, in well some. I think especially in in I mean, it's 2020 now. Like, media is quite literally everywhere. It's it's in everything we do in every aspect of our lives, pretty much at this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's the proliferation proliferation of media in the past couple decades has had no doubt a, a huge change on the field itself. Um, yeah. So, so I feel like you're you're definitely going to have a lot more opportunities coming into the future as well. I think it's just going to keep on getting more and more from here as people kind of realize. We kind of need people to understand this shit. Like we need people that actually know what's uh, what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it's you know, I don't know. Yeah, and so yeah, so I guess yeah. Number one goal would be to be a professor, but if that doesn't happen, then there's definitely plenty of places. There's to, other other places. Yeah. Yeah, it's places <laughs> to be able to you know engage with and like you know teach or something like that. Um, sure. I mean, you can teach. I mean, teaching is such a so many different jobs are actually teachers they just don't have the title of teacher like it's you informal education is in some sense and in my in my opinion honestly more effective a lot of the time than actual formal education Uh, yeah no yeah totally just having someone that knows a lot of shit about something and can talk to you about it i mean just talking to you here for you know 45 minutes i've learned a lot more about media studies than I thought I ever would. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, it's, um, <coughs> if you have any, uh, or if anybody has any questions about, I don't know if anybody listening to this has any questions about the intricacies yeah. of grad school or whatever, I have learned some things. So I guess I could, you know, yeah, please help, uh, articulate what is good and what is bad and what is and do you want to talk about your uh your your upcoming podcast project thing uh, a little bit while we're here might as well give yourself a plug at the end here sure yeah um well we're a little bit we're actually very much behind schedule right now <laughs> which is not uh necessarily our fault but i won't throw any shade to anybody um yeah me and my uh uh, classmate Pujita, who's um, from India, um, also a first-year PhD student. Um, mm-hmm. uh, last quarter, I was in a political media class, and you know, instead of writing kind of a traditional seminar paper, uh, we were given the option to do like a multimedia project instead. Mm-hmm. And so, um, since you know there is such an environmental studies focus here at UCSB Mm -hmm. Um, and since Pujita she runs this uh, digital archive uh, or not digital archive um, I'm trying to frame this right (laughs) it's called uh, it's called the forest curriculum and it's like a Mm -hmm. uh, 
kind of a ecological and environmental archive in Southeast Asia. And so they hold, okay. they hold like, um, art exhibitions and like, uh, teach-ins I believe and conferences and stuff like that. Um, so an exhibition space, I guess would be a better. Yeah. And so she like, is just like a fucking genius when it comes to <laughs> environmental humanities, uh, research. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I just asked her, I was like, what if we did like kind of like a podcast platform where we, um, interview, uh, people like artists, activists, scholars, mm-hmm. um, maybe politicians, I don't know, um, whose work yeah. kind of, whose work kind of sits at the intersection of like media studies and environmental studies, but mm-hmm. also with like a kind of a political, um, a political, uh, um, like quality to it as well. Cause we definitely, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think there's any way that you can avoid politics when you're talking about environmental stuff. Not um, anymore. No, yeah. definitely not anymore. <laughs> exactly. So it's kind of, you know, if it's not, I mean, it is explicitly in our kind of title, but, um, mm-hmm. it's also just implicitly, uh, within, uh, the other two disciplines it, itself. Right. And so, yeah, we, um, we ended up for the for my project one I had to just actually turn this in as an assignment uh, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> yeah and get an A in the class or yeah, <laughs> or pass the class at least um, and so we ended up interviewing uh, Amy Rust my previous advisor mm-hmm. at uh, USF um, who does some research on the inception of uh, modern environmentalism in the United States um, mm-hmm around like earth day and uh in like the late 60s early 70s um and then there's an english professor here at ucsb melody jew who just wrote a book called uh wild blue media that uh kind of thinks about uh the ocean as like Hmm. media in a way it's kind of abstract interesting yeah Hmm. and also um her whole she's also like a science fiction scholar so um, a lot of it is trying to call attention to what she calls the terrestrial biases of um, metaphor within like literary studies and how we kind mm-hmm. of like often associate when we're when we're like metaphorizing or kind of allegorizing and, and making connections between things. We often mm-hmm. do so from like a like land based perspective rather than okay. thinking about like um, uh oceanic or like yeah like water uh Mm -hmm. conditions and stuff like that it's it's if you read the introduction it makes a lot more sense than how i just described it yeah yeah. i I think i kind of get what you're saying but i think i'd have to read it yeah yeah um, and and it's like yeah it's not if it seems too abstract and and ridiculous from the way that i described it (laughs) trust me it's not it's actually brilliant yeah right awesome (laughs) right Um, yeah yeah. it sounds like a, a difficult thing to get into yeah 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 and so yeah i turned in the the assignment with those two like a kind of a, a juxtaposition of those two interviews together but they're, they're also just themselves uh going to be episodes themselves um and so after i turned in the assignment pujita and i started uh, kind of networking within UC- ucsb to see if there was like some type of institutional grounding that we could uh get for this interview platform um, and so, uh, out of our department is a journal called Media Plus Environment, which is sponsored by the University of California Press. And so, we've been working with them for the launch, um, although there have been some editorial critiques of our initial stuff that we've gone through thus far. And so, we, like I said, haven't released as soon as I would have expected, but um, our first episode is actually our most recent uh, interview, which is with the director of this document in production documentary project called Generation Green New Deal, um, and so yeah, uh, we talked to Sam Eilertson, who's the director, and he uh, discusses like how he got connected with like the Sunrise Movement and stuff like that, and um, yeah, uh, moving forward, we're gonna interview some. Uh, Indian journalists who do work on the environment uh, that Pajita is kind of connected with um, 
And then from there, we're not entirely sure, but uh, yeah, Doing right, right now the the main focus <laughs> is to hopefully get a launch uh, as soon as possible. Uh, nice. Well, yeah. uh, well, keep your keep your keep your ears peeled for that. I'll I'll hopefully will let people know when that happens. Oh yeah, I should probably say it. it's called <laughs> metabolic riffs. I did. There say we go. That. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it a little easier. Yeah. So metabolic riffs. All right. Yeah. Um. Also, just a warning for. For you and the listener and everyone, whoever whoever cares, uh, there was a, a bit of an audio technical difficulty uh, in the middle of that, but hopefully it only cut out like thirty seconds. So I'll okay, be able yeah, to yeah. edit it and fix it. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. If anyone is confused and if there's any terrible editing on this this end section here where Rich was explaining that, it sounds sick. So if you enjoyed what he was talking about here during this whole conversation. You're probably going to enjoy the stuff he's talking about on that. That's all. I mean, that's the best way of putting it. In case you missed, <laughs> in case you missed part of it, that was important. I, don't, I really don't know when it cut out. It just kind of did. So yeah, yeah, uh, um, yeah. I'll share uh, whatever. If we end up getting a launch, I'll definitely share uh, all the stuff with all of my friends, including yourself, and hopefully yeah, definitely. And I'll, I'll put it on my website and everything. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to form a, a podcast uh, coalition yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah all right so we're we're already over time which is great I love being over time I love having more information than I need so that's great cool. um, let's see that's that's all I really got well uh, yeah thanks thank for you. Uh, wanting to speak with me of course well thank you for for speaking to me it's it's a uh, it's been a pleasure it's, I, honestly I really did learn a decent amount about I, I really had no idea what you were really up to these past couple of years so it's it's pretty interesting honestly i never i had no idea um thanks so yeah, yeah yeah thank you thank you for for talking and thank you for listening listeners um, yeah and yeah check out check out rich's thing whenever whenever if ever it goes up and uh check this out whenever and it will go up i'm telling you that now so you don't have to <laughs> don't worry about it Uh, Thank you, and good night. Love y'all. See ya.